You're listening to the Improve Photography Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Canon. You may love Canon cameras and have known Canon for that, but also they have some really incredible training available for you. You can join Canon and some of the top portrait photographers in a city near you. Canon Explorers of Light will guide you through the step-by-step process of refining your style, telling a story, and building relationships with and posing your subjects, mastering technical skills, and marketing your talents. Each instructor will demonstrate the gear they love to use and how to get the very best results with your gear, whatever gear you own. They'll also show you little-known tricks that you can use to get the best performance out of your camera, optimizing light, and getting stunning portraits. In addition to a day with with learning from a Canon Explorer of Light, you'll get exclusive discounts on Canon portrait gear, PDF guides, and online class discounts, a chance to touch and try the latest Canon cameras, as well as your tech questions answered by an on-site Canon expert. Register now and learn more at canon.us slash learnportraits. That's canon.us slash learnportraits. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace, the company that makes my photography portfolio. With beautiful templates created by world-class designers, Your project on Squarespace will look perfect right from the very, very beginning in just a few clicks. Whether you want to create a photography portfolio, a business page, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace is a great place to make your passion project a reality. And you have 24-7 customer support behind you if you need any help. Think it, dream it, make it with Squarespace. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, Use offer code IMPROVE to get 10% off your, per- your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast. This is an exciting and momentous episode of the podcast. This may be the episode where Connor Hibbs finally flies off the rails and ditches Adobe. We're going to talk about that um, if Lightroom, uh, if we should stay with Lightroom or where we can go, what the realistic options are right now. Um, both Connor and I are, are looking pretty hard at that option right now. And so that's what we're going to talk about in our first segment. And in the second half, I'm going to learn from Brad Getch, who's also on the call, a little bit about a mobile workflow, not something that I have ever spent a whole lot of time with. And so I am, I'm eager to see what possibilities that has for my photography. So Brad and, and Connor, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, Connor, it's happened. You, you're pressing <sighs> the, the, the delete button on Lightroom, or, or at least heavily looking at it. Uh, so, yes. So in a few sentences, what, why leave Lightroom right now? Okay, I have to try and like keep my calm here because I've just <laughs> been so frustrated. Um, just within the past few weeks, I've had a number of large shoots that I've been trying to get through. And ever since the Lightroom Classic came out, I've seen so many people saying that they don't have issues, but I am one of the people that is having so many issues. And it, it for me, it's just that it's a time waste. This is my job and... Literally, I will scroll through three or four pictures and get a 15-second minimum 
just buffering spinning wheel of whatever that is beach ball before it actually pulls up a new photo or lets me do anything in Lightroom. And every time I try and round trip something to Photoshop, it takes probably a minute and a half. So I would say within the last week, I have probably been half as efficient without being hyperbolic, half as efficient as I used to be in Lightroom, thanks to the new changes. Well, well, for me, I have a similar story to you, Connor. It's speed is the problem. Like, yeah. That's the only problem I'm having. Functionality of Lightroom is fine. It's good. Just make it make it work. The update to the all to the Lightroom Classic has not been my problem. Uh, in fact, Lightroom Classic has seemed to be a little bit faster for me. Uh, some things right. significantly faster, um, and uh, and and most things just about the same. Uh, but the problem is it wasn't enough. Uh, I, I mean, we've been talking about Lightroom speed issues for years now. It's not a passing, you know, this this uh, this edition, this release has bugs in it. It's not that. This has happened for years. Uh, you know, we had Lightroom to Lightroom CC 2015 up until 2017. <laughs> so they had two almost three years. And all we got was a little Band-Aid in terms of speed. For some people, it's yeah. been significant. I'm hearing some people saying that it's like feels like a new program and it's awesome. Uh, for me, it's been, you know, it's good. It's not worse for sure, but it's it's not significantly better. It's still a, it's still the same old yeah. Lightroom. Yeah, you know, for me, I. When people would complain about the speed issues before, it was always something that, you know, I, I've seen other programs. I've played with other programs. I know that there are things that can help me call faster. But it was never so slow that it really created any kind of actual issues to my working. Um, and now it, it, I agree. It's, it just wasn't enough of an update. I feel like the new CC version is just a way to kind of suck people into being even more stuck with their system without having giving give up uh, without having given us or to really feel like we should be stuck there so i'm i'm hopping out now before i get too stuck in um i feel like i need to keep my subscription for the time being because i really don't feel comfortable leaving for photoshop or leaving photoshop quite yet although i'm starting to look at some options for that as well um, i'm also going to keep it because as an instructor, it's important for me to know about all of the new details that are being put into the program. So I'll still go in and play around with it and be able to have conversations about it. It's just, I don't think professionally it is the program for me anymore. Yeah, and I agree with you. Photoshop, I can't replace right now. Uh, I've played yeah. with a lot of the options out there. There's some that are getting decent, but I cannot leave Photoshop. I need that tool. Um, Lightroom though, it, it's starting to get more realistic and that's what we want to talk about and uh, not just a yeah. diatribe on Lightroom, uh, but, <laughs> a, but a what actually what we're doing now, uh, because of it. Um, I, I, I will also mention in addition to just the general slowness, uh, there are some bugs that are really hurting. Uh, one I mentioned on Facebook, I, I had a shoot that I did in Zion and I needed to edit the video. I'm getting ready for the photography steal at the end of, of November, start of December. It's our big sale of the year and I'm putting out a full-fledged landscape photography course on it. I'm really pulling out all the stops for it to make it awesome. I literally spent seven hours trying to import one shoot. 
uh, into Lightroom. <laughs> it would import 20 photos at a time about, and then it would just stall. And then I would unplug it, replug it in, press import, and it would do another 20, and then it would stall. <laughs> and oh, uh, and it's, it's not just from one camera. It's just randomly this happens. Um, so, but that's just a bug. That's one addition. You know, I'm not going to go crazy over a, one bug because that can happen. The, the problem yeah. is it's not an isolated bug. It's been a lot of different things. And the other thing that really shows me that that the path of, of Adobe, Adobe or Lightroom Classic is not a good one is they had two and a half years to work on this release and they dared to put new features in Lightroom. <laughs> They're cool new features, actually. I really like that. But like where the speed is such an incredible problem, how in the world could they spend any resource on building a new feature? The speed problem still isn't even fixed. So why in the world would you start adding more stuff in Lightroom? Totally agree with you there. But that was something that I actually just said this on your post on Facebook, but I, I was worried when they went to the CC model that they were going to be so worried about putting out new features that they were going to ignore accident problems and just I, new things look at the dehaze. And I'm like, you know, that's useful. A lot of these things are cool, but um, they need to triage their issues. They need to make sure that they are taking care of the problems before they're trying to add new things, which will inevitably add more problems. And it, I'm, I'm just so frustrated. This is a consideration I've made for the past probably two years, and I've just finally decided to pull the trigger with my recent frustrations. All right. Well, let's talk about the the path forward because I'm with you. I've I've been waiting. I said a couple months ago that I would give it until spring, but now we. I mean, they've they've played their cards. We we see what yeah. Adobe has for us, um, and for me, Lightroom Classic is it's just not an option to continue. It, it's not a passing issue. This has been happening for years. The path of Lightroom Classic, I believe, is dead. It will not become the tool that I I need it to be. So. Yeah. Now what? We all know we know about the option of the all new Lightroom, and we'll talk more about that. Uh, but what else is out there? Well, the the direction that I decided to go was towards Capture One. Um, part of that is because I do a lot of studio shooting, and more and more I am deciding to tether with my shoots. And Capture One has the best tethering capabilities oh, yeah. that I found in a program. And not to mention, it, it's so customizable. Like it's it. I've only had it for a bit over a day now, um, but it, I've already kind of been able to set everything up. So it pretty much operates like Lightroom. And that's something that I really like. I'm a big advocate in Photoshop of customizing your workspaces to work well for you. And that's something that Lightroom just never really afforded us. So uh, that's just one of a few features that I'm really excited about that I'm getting that are different from Lightroom. Brad, what do you think? Where where are you on this debate? Are you sticking with Lightroom in the long haul? Uh, for right now, I am. Um, I don't know if it's uh, if it's deserved by Adobe or not for me to stick around. Uh, I, uh, I I just have a lot of concerns, and I'd be really interested to hear your guys' inputs and how you're going to make that change seamlessly. Yeah. Uh, how are you going to deal with the uh, the cataloging that you've already got? What happens to your edits? Connor, as you move to Capture One on the photos you have before or, you know, things like that are, are uh, kind of at the top of my mind. 
those those are super great questions, at least as far as Capture One goes. The only thing that I'm finding that I am losing in transitioning my catalog over is that Capture One doesn't have a flagging system in the way that Lightroom does. So uh, my initial round of culling is to pick and reject all of the photos that I go through a shoot. And, but then from there, I'll star them. And then from stars, I'll color coordinate them. So I still have a lot of the culling markers in the metadata of the images um, that show me which of my past images were ones that I liked a lot. And one of the nice things is Capture One is actually set up to be able to import Lightroom catalogs. So I was able to go in and actually select the Lightroom catalog and just let it run for a few hours as it pulled everything in from there, including all the metadata, including all of the edits. Of course, the edits all look a little bit different because they're different raw processing machines and it's, you know, you're saying up to or up a half stop in exposure, but that's going to do slightly different things from one to the other. But it's pretty much kept my catalog intact. I'm still kind of figuring out the library system and how I want to operate it in the future. Um, but it, it makes it pretty easy for you to be able to port over from Lightroom into Capture One without losing too much of your past work. Yeah, that, the that, problem, the, the thing that does not transfer over are local edits. Uh, yeah. So, you know, a general exposure slider, a highlight slider, sharp, you're good. But as soon as we've brushed an adjustment brush, uh-oh, it's gone. Uh, and that's a problem. That's a really big problem if you have 100,000 photos in your in your uh, library. But you know what? I'm, I'd am i be willing to do that, honestly, at this point because I need a path to go forward. Um, and, and that offers one. But but Brad, you're uh, you do photography not as your full time profession. What do you think about the price of Capture One? It's two hundred ninety nine bucks uh, for a perpetual license. I mean, how long does it take before, depending on which uh, which version or which uh, part of Adobe you're subscribing to, how long before that pays for itself? Uh, yeah. And and well, it at becomes the nine ninety nine where right you get choice. Lightroom um, and Photoshop. I mean, that's. 30 months by then there's going to be another option another version of capture one and again this only replaces lightroom not photoshop so and realistically it's just an additional 300 buck an additional 300 dollar purchase right and then uh by then by the time you've paid it off uh what if the all new lightroom cc has turned into something that you find really appealing (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> you know, which could which I you know, it's it's going to come a ways in the next couple of years. I believe that Adobe said it and I actually believe him on this one. Uh they will make some changes to uh the Lightroom CC. Uh I I would be surprised if they don't address the concerns to some degree of all the photographers that don't want to store everything in the cloud. Um and, and some of those other issues that people are having, you know, create a, a local only uh, option for storing their images and things like that. So, uh, I'm I'm going to kind of just sit it out for a little while, I think. But uh, I'm I'm intrigued by some of these other options. I've I've spent a little bit of time looking at uh, at Mac Funds Luminar, uh, the 2018 yeah. version set to come out, and they're going to have that digital asset management that they're going to incorporate, um, and that that's an intriguing option as well. Uh, so it's just it's kind of an interesting time. And the other side of it is if uh, if Lightroom's going to change if if Classic's going to go the way of the dinosaurs. Um, we're going to have to adjust to a new workflow either way. Yeah. So, what better time is there, I suppose, than to just take a look at all the options and see what fits what fits best? Uh, it'll be interesting. 
Yeah, and, and I'll I'll definitely say the price tag was the one thing that's held me back for a number of years. I actually liked a lot of the features in Capture One enough that I would have switched over earlier. But um, the way that Phase One has their subscription model set up for it, it, it doesn't make sense at all. It's if you keep Phase or if you keep Capture One for a year, um, one way or the other, you're practically paying for the program outright. But then you're still on a subscription model. Um, so, so it was something that I knew if I was ever going to switch over, I needed to pay that um, $300 outright. Thankfully, you can find a lot of um, affiliate program type links out there to save 30 bucks or something. So it, it helped a little bit, but eh, that's not something that should be ignored. That That is a big price, especially figuring that I'm going to keep using Photoshop, so I'm going to keep paying that $10 a month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, the problem that I'm having with with Luminar is, first of all, we don't even know what it's what it's gonna be. Uh, you know, we keep hoping it's gonna be this awesome thing, but we really haven't even seen much of it. Uh, we, yeah. We've only got a very basic sneak peek, and the timeline for release is in 2018. Well, what does what does that mean? You know, <laughs> um, and and again, we don't even know what it's going to be. And so yeah. it's it's not something that I can really uh, rely on. I can rely on one thing. I'm definitely going to try it out. I'm definitely going to be interested. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I don't know if I can set up my workflow hoping that Luminar comes to the rescue. Um, I, I, I've got to, got to choose something, um, but, but it does look cool and I hope it happens uh, and it's what we're kind of hoping for. But again, that's sometime in 2018. Right. And like you point out $59 for perpetual license that, you know, that's what you, I'm talking sucks. about. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll test out capture one and I will get back to everybody from the sounds of it. It seems like it'll be something that suits me, but um, I'll let you all know how I feel about it after having played with it a bit. Yeah, I, I played with it quite a bit about a year and a half or two years ago, and I really did like it. Um, it it's It really is great software. I think the, the real problem with its adoption is just the price point. It's 300 bucks. Um, yeah. And, and, and for almost everybody, it's $300 on top of your Adobe subscription because we still need Photoshop. And so I think for most photographers... That's that's tough. That's pretty tough to to justify, and uh, and and if most photographers don't move over, then we're holding our our most important asset, our you know our our digital assets, our catalog, in a system that doesn't have widespread adoption. You don't know the future of. One one more point to make about that is this is specifically only for you Sony shooters out there, but Sony shooters can get Capture One for only fifty dollars. Um, the only issue with that is it only edits what is it ARW files. It won't edit any other RAWs. So if you recently switched over, that might be something to look into for future proofing yourself. But you still might have all of those back photos that you either have to. Um, just catalog somewhere and still use Lightroom from time to time if you decide to go back or eventually you're going to end up paying for the full price. But it is a way. If you've been a Sony shooter for a long time, it's not too expensive to move over to Capture One if you're interested in doing that. So I had a question about this that makes me wonder how long that relationship will last uh, yes. between Capture One and so and Sony because Sony on the new A7R 3 they have this pixel, pixel shift that we talked about 
But yeah. that pixel sh- pixel shift we learned later does not happen in camera. It only works with the Sony software, not the Capture One software, the Sony software uh, that they yeah. have now released to do it. And the fact that they didn't collaborate with Capture One to make that happen, because that's you know that's why they've been working together. So Sony didn't have to make their own raw editor. Uh, but the fact that Sony's making their own um, makes me think, hmm, maybe that isn't going to last so long. That, that's definitely something to consider. I, I mean, the one point that I would counter that with is that it doesn't look like Capture One do, does too many dot updates. They just release a new version of things. So mm-hmm. my thought there is that it's entirely possible that in their next update of their software, Capture 10.11 um, or Capture Pro, yeah, Capture One Pro 11, whatever it's called, um, that might actually have that so- software integration there. But um, that's purely speculation. I have no idea. Good point. Yeah, good point. All right, then the other option, of course, is going to the all-new Lightroom. I have not yet uh, talked to anybody, you know, who I know uh, who's pulled the trigger. Uh, I I mean, everybody's tried it, I think, by this point. Uh, But anybody who said, all right, I'm going all in. And I think that's actually the way that I'm leaning. I'm leaning toward going all in on the new Lightroom. I know I'm a glutton for punishment. They ruined the last one. They haven't done anything to earn my (laughs) trust over the last couple of years. But the thing is, when I try the new all-new Lightroom, it's pretty darn good. I'm really happy with it. Uh, there are uh, missing features that will be coming, um, but the vast majority of what I need is in there. It does work fast. And I'm not so sure about the you know keeping all my photos in the cloud kind of thing. I really ho- wish they would have done some kind of hybrid of what I want to keep locally and what I want to go put into the cloud. Uh, you know, maybe just yeah. put in you know keep my most recent two terabytes of photos in the cloud and everything. Lo- I-, I wish we could have got a better hybrid solution like that, uh, but it's not. And I I really do see a very strong future of of AI for photo editing, and Capture One probably isn't going to help me to get there. And so yeah. for the future, I I think I'm very close to pressing that convert catalog button. Now now, how concerned are you about how pared down the new version is? I I didn't think it was going to be a huge problem, but at the same time, it just depends on how many photos you're using. Um, they say that they're going to update the functionality of it, but who knows when that actually is going to happen because at this point, I don't trust anything Adobe says about we're going to get this taken care of. Right. Um, how do you feel about that? The only two things that are significantly missing for me right now are tone curve and split toning. Uh, and those yeah. are pretty significant ones, especially the tone curve part. Uh, but but they said very clearly that that is coming imminently uh, to 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 come onto the onto the platform anyway so i i have high hopes for it the the thing is as much as i don't love anything that adobe has done with lightroom classic boy when i do use that program and i gave it a a chance for a minute because my initial reaction was blah this feels like a nerfed tool this feels like an amateur tool you know everything's big buttons and (laughs) um but once i kind of got over that okay it's kind of look different and i went in open-minded it's thing is it's pretty darn good and it does things yeah. that that the old version can't do uh like the keywording which is actually pretty darn cool see I, I i wish that they had just waited to release all of this until they were a little like they were completely on each other's level and yep. um playing the same game because if they had done that and lightroom still sucked i think that that would have been a great brilliant evil genius move by adobe to say like oh yeah i'm sorry it's still the 
old version isn't great still, but I mean, look at our new version, and that could have pushed a lot of people there. But I think the fact that they've pared down some of the stuff in order to get it released when they did, um, I think that might have been a little bit of a mistake on their part. Yep, I I agree. My question is, uh, if they had you know close to three years to develop this all new Lightroom CC, how did they not get tone curves in there? How did that not happen? I mean, it's in the mobile version. I can do it on my iPhone if I if I import a uh, photo via my computer into the all new Lightroom CC, wait for it to upload to the cloud, then open up my iPhone seven. I can manipulate a tone curve there. So it's and it and the the edit sticks. So I don't know why it's not there. It just doesn't make sense. True. That, that seems just like a, a, a typical Adobe move. I don't know if you've ever played around with doing stuff in Illustrator or InDesign. It's just like every single one of their programs, the, the keys, the hot keys are different. Oh, and it's Connor, have you have hit teams. a hot button for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you uh, hit a hot button issue for me. I drive myself insane with that. It's it's so frustrating to to deal with that and and that just comes down to the fact that they have different teams of people working on different things. So I would say that that's probably what happened was they have this functionality there and yet their departments aren't going to interact with each other to make sure that everything is covered well. Oh, that I was poetic for being so true, Connor. I deal with that all the time. You go in in Photoshop and how do you zoom in? Control plus. Then you go into Premiere. How do you zoom in? Just plus. If you press the control, it's ruined. <laughs> you know, it's just all these different things. Blade tool on one, cut tool on the other. It's like, oh, yes. can, can we just call it the blade? Uh yeah, there, there should definitely be somebody that overlooks all of these things just to make sure that there's consistency across the board. And in instances where they say, hey, you know, we already have mobile functionality that has a tone curve. Maybe we should implement that in our new software. Um, somebody can actually make that happen instead of just, oops, well, we don't have it yet, but it's coming soon. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I am excited to learn a little bit about a mobile workflow from you, Brad, in the, in the second half. This is something that I have never really done Uh, And so I have a lot of questions for you about how I might implement this in a realistic workflow. But before we get there, we want to take a second and thank our sponsor. Support for today's show comes from Casper. Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Supportive memory foams create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right amount of sink and bounce to it. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. I was recommended Casper from my brother-in-law, and it really has been a great mattress since we bought one a couple years ago. You get free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada, and with over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com improve and using offer, offer code improve. Terms and conditions apply. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. If you're ready to launch a new business, you're ready to take your photography to the next level, you want to create a photography portfolio or sell your work on your website, Squarespace can make your passion project a reality. 
They have beautiful templates, so you really could just log on there. It's inexpensive to get started. Uh, you can get your own custom domain name. So if you want to be jimharmerphotography.com or whatever you want it to be, uh, you can get your custom domain name so you look professional. And then you just pick a template. You pick whatever template you think is going to work the best for your work. They have some that are specifically work well for photography and showcasing your work. And then it really in just a few clicks, even if you're not uh, very technically minded, you can get your website up. They have analytics so you can see how many people are coming to your website, uh, all kinds of extensions, over 200 of them. Um, and with award-winning 24-7 customer support, you'll never be up a creek and not sure how to get out of it. Make your passion project a reality with Squarespace. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code IMPROVE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, offer code IMPROVE. Brad, you wrote a great article on improvephotography.com. It's called A Mobile Photo Editing Workflow That Actually Works. And we'll definitely link to that here in the in the show notes. So answer me this, I guess, to start off. I mean, I have definitely played with the mobile workflow um, for years, even when we used to use those iFi cards and stuff to get things over. But tell me this, for the kind of photography that I do, and I think most photographers do, where we're going out shooting landscape photos, we come back home and we edit our photos. Why would I want to add this to my workflow? Well, that's that's a great question. It was the first question I tried to answer is when you do and, and maybe when you don't want to use a mobile workflow. Um, and and my you know my recent use case, and I talk about this in the article where I, I really found it helpful. I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to shoot the PGA championship uh, at, at Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, and there was an expectation that uh, I had a couple of assignments that I had. I, I wanted to get those photos on social media and on the web as soon as possible. You know, it was hot news, and and uh, how do how do I do that? That was my my question for myself. Without doing something like carrying a laptop in a backpack while I'm out walking, you know, eight, ten, twelve miles at least uh, during a day. Um, so I was able to kind of look into it and figure out how I could uh, uh, get the raw photo. I wanted full quality raw photos. That was my goal. Uh, onto into a mobile workflow. Um, so I, I bought a uh, SD to Lightning card reader, popped the card reader or the card into that, and and the other end into my iPad, um, uploaded them, and I was able to get the edits, uh, and then and then post them straight to social media while I was on the course, uh, and it was really really helpful to be able to do that. Um, so that was a, a use case. Now. Uh, you want to be kind of careful because you know I shot over that. Uh, that week, I shot over 8,000 photos at that event. I certainly wasn't uploading all of them that way. Uh, it would have taken forever. So I was very careful to, to cull and select certain images that I wanted to share right away, only move those ones into this workflow, work through those, and then uh, save the rest for when I was back in my hotel room uh, and able to uh, get them off my cards onto my computer uh, and then start, start my normal culling process from there. Um, now, I, I have a question for you there. How... How is it that you're actually doing your culling mobily? Like, usually, isn't it just a tiny little thumbnail? Or are you actually able to see a fuller version so you can tell out of three versions of this shot, this one is the best? It's uh, it, it's kind of a challenge because you're right. You do get this little tiny thumbnail when you pop that uh, card reader even into an iPad. You get a little tiny thumbnail and you can't really tell one from the other 
quite so easily. Um, so that's why I implemented it in the field. Uh, I would, you know, get some shots as, as my targets passed. You get a little bit of downtime once in a while if I don't feel like moving or if I know I'm not going to be moving to a new location. So I know those photos are right at the top of the pile. And oh, I can okay. go in and easily pull them off. But yeah, if I'm if I'm digging into a card that's thousands of images deep, then that would be that would be challenging too. So it definitely comes with its challenges. But uh, uh, but if I approached it, you know, sort of proactively and wanting to do this mobile uh, workflow to get some images out right away, uh, I was able to stay on top of it and and make it work, uh, and and that that worked pretty well. But yeah, the the looking and culling on the iPad <laughs> is a challenge. Absolutely. Not, not so easy. So is yeah. is your camera isn't automatically uploading the photos from the camera to your iPad. You're talking about just taking out the SD card, putting it in a card reader adapter that can send it to your iPad. Right. Well, I, I was using, um, I had two cameras with me and one of them was my 70D and, and that one had Wi-Fi built into it. I also use a 60 on, on uh, regularly and that's got Wi-Fi. So I, I have done it that way where, you know, I can just tap in, um, through that, that Canon app right into yeah. the, the camera. Um, but those files it pulls while they're, while they're fine for a lot of things, um, they aren't the, they aren't the raw file. And I wanted to yeah, try to a implement shape. a raw, right. I wanted to try to implement a raw, uh, workflow. Uh, and get that full size file, uh, and you can't do that over Wi-Fi, at least uh, not with the setup that I had. Do you guys know of a way to wirelessly transmit raw files? Sort of. I I have no idea, I, and I imagine it would just it would be so slow though. Yeah. I, I mean, just I I shoot on a 6D, and that has the wireless transferability through the through the um, bleh. Through the, the app connect. on, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. and and even with these um, lower resolution JPEGs, they're they're not terrible, but it takes a while for them to get over, and it can be really useful if I have a client sitting over my shoulder while I shoot something, and I can hand them the iPad, and they don't have to know that it was that last shot; they can just star something and see a lower resolution JPEG, and that's fine. But uh, especially for trying to share on social media, I, I can understand the desire to start from a raw photo. And I don't know any way to get that. Yeah, I used to do that with an iFi card uh, to send from from the camera to the iPad, um, and it was pretty clunky. It's pretty yeah. clunky and unreliable. I, it's probably not a workflow I would recommend. It can work, and when it does work, you look pretty awesome. <laughs> but more often <laughs> than not, you spend five minutes and things don't sync up, and it's just a mess. Uh, so, eh, I didn't love it. Yeah, I yeah. have an iFi card too, and I think I messed around with it for a few minutes and and gave up. <laughs> right, <laughs> it just wasn't worth it. I, you know, I, I helped some people set up a photo booth not too long ago, and um, they on their own did some research and got an iFi card, and I, we could not get a transfer over to a computer in less than 30 seconds unless it was the lowest quality JPEG that we were shooting in that it was trying to set over, and even then it was still 10 seconds or something like that, which, uh, yeah, can be problematic so once you have your your memory card inserted into the mobile um you know you're doing your edits there and now you i mean you'd have to have a mobile device that can hold a lot of data uh you know you're going to want the 256 or 512 gigabyte mobile device because uh, you can easily do that in a shoot if you're shooting a high re resolution camera um, and that's that's assuming there's nothing else on the mo on the tablet. 
so that's that's one thing is you definitely got to have that. And then we now have to upload from the tablet into Lightroom Classic if that's your workflow uh, or to Capture One or whatever. Um, unless I guess this is where I'm seeing the the pros of of the all new Lightroom. You know, if you have the all new Lightroom, once it's on the tablet, you're good to go. You know, it can upload to the cloud from there. And then as soon as you get back to your computer, it's already there, uh, which for me is really great because, I, and I think a lot of photographers, I'll go out, I'll shoot landscapes for a week on a trip. I put everything on my laptop each night and I'm making edits. Uh, so then I've imported from the car, from, uh, from the camera to the card, the card to my laptop, make edits, then I export my Lightroom catalog from the laptop, put it on an external drive, and then take that external drive and plug it into my computer, and then I can import the catalog and all the photos into Lightroom Classic. Woo! <laughs> like that's, uh, there isn't another way to do it, that's just how it needs to be done. That is insane, that's crazy. Uh, and yes. so that's again where, as much as uh, we all have complained about Lightroom, boy, the all new Lightroom completely fixes this. Like the problem is just gone. Everything is done for you. I didn't have a similar experience to what you just described. I, I don't know if it's something that I put in or a setting I, I put in when I integrated Lightroom uh, mobile way back with my, my old, you know, Lightroom 2015 or now the Lightroom Classic. Uh, I, I'm able to go in if I upload something via Lightroom mobile. Uh, it hits the cloud and then comes to Classic. I didn't have to do all those steps. It's in there, uh, and it, it came over. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm talking about. I, I'm. I. I guess I sidelined us. I wasn't talking about the the mobile <laughs> workflow. I was talking about just how I normally am working, where I'm putting things on the laptop, editing oh, there, and I then see. I've got yep, to go yep. back to my desktop at home. Uh, it, it just makes an insane workflow. But then mm -hmm. again, most landscape photographers, if you're traveling around, that's that's what you do there's not really another way to do it. it it pretty much sounds to me like jim is trying to talk himself into the fact that he just I made am. a bad decision <laughs> i am trying to talk myself into it i've got to justify oh, the fact of well, sticking the with adobe <laughs> you're right all no, right those are all really good points jim I'm just <laughs> kidding around so what's the best advice if we want to do this and implement a mobile workflow uh, read my article first. <laughs> I tried to, I tried to, uh, put everything out there as best as I could. And, and I've gotten a couple comments already, uh, through different channels, one through the, the site itself, which was really interesting and, and good to see. Um, and then, uh, just try to try to always do it the same way. Once you find something that works for you, uh, for the mobile side. Um, now what, one thing I did stumble across when I upload a, a file through the mobile, uh, and it, it hits, you know, the my my Adobe uh, Lightroom Classic. Um, when I go to take that card and insert it into my computer to upload the rest of the images, the ones I didn't do mobily, uh, the Lightroom sorts it out for me and doesn't upload the duplicates, which is handy because uh, mm -hmm. I never tell my iPad to delete anything off the card. I just wait until I'm done uploading everything and everything's backed up with redundancy, and then I'll format in camera. Um, so the, one of the biggest challenges that I had, uh, in writing this and figuring it all out is just figuring out where all the files live, uh, so that I can make sure I've got it and I don't just have, you know, smart previews stored somewhere before I go deleting raw files off my iPad. Uh, and that was an interesting, interesting part. Um, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah, yeah no, it totally <laughs> does. 
Totally does. Yeah, and, and I find it interesting that you're that I, I guess the way that I've always thought about using a mobile workflow was for this is my I'm going to get it out of the way right now so I can post things on social media and share in the moment. And then when I go home, I'm going to re-edit everything and do it again. So I, I really liked that you in the article pointed out that you shouldn't be deleting anything off the card from the iPad itself. But at the same time, I was like, oh, that's that's interesting because it, I personally would don't think that I would use any of the mobile edits after the fact. It, I would just use it for being able to share on social media right away. Well, that was the pl- that's the power of the cloud, though, in this Lightroom Mobile. Yeah. Uh, and the Lightroom Mobile is a powerful program. I think it's better than CC at, right at this point. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, those those same edits stick the same way when you get over to your your desktop solution yeah. so you can get some of the editing out of the way and then you don't have to go back and re-edit those photos that's part of the power of it um i think yeah yeah i i agree with you i think that at least as of right now the mobile version of lightroom is um pretty powerful like it's it's almost everything that you have in regular lightroom classic but not quite so i'm i'm hoping that for your sake jim that the new lightroom cc ends up being of the same kind of caliber as the Lightroom mobile app. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and That's w- funny. One other point on that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I've got to justify further, Connor. <laughs> I must further justify. Um, so the cost is something that a lot of people uh, noticed, of course, of moving to the all-new new Lightroom because you, now we're paying for cloud storage of, of all those photos. Uh, which for yeah. me is significant. I got a lot of photos and I definitely want everything all in one bucket. I definitely don't want to get in the business of, you know, some of these photos are in this old Lightroom and some are in the new. No, I don't want to do that. Yeah. They've all got to be together or all, all risk losing data. Um, anyway, uh, really, if you look at it compared to even what you're going to spend on Dropbox or something, it's really not bad. Uh, the The $10 a month for a terabyte of storage it really is not a horrible um, is not a horrible it's price point for it. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, that part of it I feel okay with, especially because I realize that right now I'm at a greater risk because I have no cloud backup right now. I have two Drobos locally, uh, both in my house, not connected to each other. Uh, so, you know, reasonably safe unless I have a house fire or something. Uh, and this I, I feel is safer if I have a local copy and a cloud copy. I'm going to call that safer than just having two Drobos. And so uh, I do also like what that's getting me. Right. Yeah, the, one, the, one other thing. I, oh, sorry, Connor, go ahead. No, no, no. After you. Oh, uh, one other thing I tried to point out is the, if you, if you utilize that cloud and store your raw files in the cloud one way or the other, whether it's through mobile or through Lightroom CC, you really have a perpetual cloud backup going that you can work from. That's always up to date. You never have to, you know, first of the month, I better do my cloud backup and let, right. and let it run all night. It's done. Yeah. So, yeah, it, I think that it's really cool. I just, I kind of wish that they had some sort of ability to um, not just use Adobe's cloud backup system because, mm-hmm. as it is, I mean, yeah, ten ten dollars per terabyte is standard right now. That that's pretty normal. But at the same time, with my Dropbox, I can use that for delivering to clients and. I, I can use it for all sorts of things where in this instance I'm paying that $10 only for my raw photos and not to say that I would have less than a terabyte anyway on on my computer or in my drive but it, 
uh, that's the one thing that I find a little bit frustrating. I wish that you could integrate it with, say, Dropbox and use that for your cloud backup instead. But naturally, Adobe is going to want to uh, keep that money in their company as much as possible. Well, yeah, and also then it loses the primary benefit, which is the AI and what they can do there. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. <sighs> decisions, decisions. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, thank you guys for uh, coming on the show and sharing your knowledge with us today. Before we leave, though, I want to pull a doodad of the week out of you. Connor, what do you have for us? Um, so my doodad is Breakthrough Photography's new 100-millimeter square ND filters. Um, I, I talked about these oh, – probably eight, nine months ago, how I was excited that they that I saw that they were going to be making them because Breakthrough Photography makes awesome ND filters that don't have hardly any color cast. I would say that they don't have any color cast. Um, but I, I finally got a pair of them and I've had a chance to play around. And man, these filters are the nicest filters I've ever had for my camera. So that's my doodad. I'm super excited about them. Good pick. I love breakthrough photography. They make really yeah. good stuff. I have their circular filters and they're really good. I'm very happy. Yeah, see, and, and I love the, the circular filters, but as a portrait photographer, I like to shoot with shallow depth of field while strobing because I don't use um, a high speed sync. Uh-huh. And for me, sometimes if I'm shooting with like a six stop ND filter, it's hard to get focus. So I like mm-hmm. using the, the square filters because I can pull them away, get my focus, put them back in place and then shoot. Um, so it's something that for me as a portrait photographer using ND filters, this is the thing that I've been waiting for for a long time. Good point. Brad, how about you? Uh, I went to kind of along the lines of my mobile workflow with the uh, Western digital, my passport wireless pro. So it's a, it's a, uh, you can get them from one terabyte to four terabytes, at least on Amazon, uh, where I saw it. Uh, it's got an SD card reader built into it, so it kind of supports this mobile workflow. I had a comment on my article where somebody was trying to figure out how they store all their photos if they don't have access to the Wi-Fi to, to get them off the device. Uh, and this this would be the solution that I would suggest somewhere where you can put those photos um, in the absence of uh, of any kind of Internet signal. Uh, to be able to get your stuff into the cloud or, or wherever you want it without having to worry about carrying around a, uh, a laptop. Um, it's uh, it's about a one pound. It looks like a normal external hard drive. It's a little bigger. Uh, it's got an SD card reader in the side of it, a little button, so you can plug your SD card in, just dump the SD card, or connect to it wirelessly uh, to get things on and off it, which, uh, which I find intriguing. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna, I, I don't own one yet, but uh, I, find it, uh, I find it interesting. Uh, Very cool. As a, as a tool. My recommendation is going to be the Rode Video Micro. In the last podcast, I recommended the new Rode Video Pro Plus. And uh, this one is much less expensive. This one's only $59. Um, and the biggest advantage of this one, as far as I'm concerned, is there's no battery, which is wonderful. Um, <laughs> it, it Does it sound as good as the Pro Plus? No. Does it sound 90% as good and way better than the internal microphone on your DSLR? Oh, yeah. Um, so this is, a, you know, it, yeah, it's a, it's a 90% solution for a quarter of the price, and it has no battery to be running out. Uh, so it's really, really nice. If you're just doing a little video or something like that, go pick up the Rode Video Micro. Uh, it, it's a very nice little product. Um, I will say don't purchase this on Amazon. 
Uh, I mentioned in the last episode my problem with uh, buying a Rode mic on Amazon. And if you go to the Rode website, they have huge warnings. Don't purchase from Amazon because uh, they're not an authorized retailer. And I did almost get scammed out of it. So uh, purchase that one from B&H and we have links on the, on the show notes. So that's the Rode Video Micro. Brad and Connor, awesome talking with you guys. Thank you for being on the show. Appreciate your contributions to improve photography. And listeners, we'll see you in another seven days. Bye. Thanks.